Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. Check back weekly to stay up to date with what God is doing here in the life of our church. To learn more information, you can find us online at sturkey.church. Our prayer here at the church at Sturkey Hills is that you are moved by this message. Guys, thanks for tuning in and have a blessed week. We're in a series right now called From Good to Great for the Glory of God and the Growth of His Kingdom. Now that's our theme for 2020. And so the series is actually called Good to Great with 2020 Vision. And we've talked about greatness and what it looks like in different areas of our life. And the first week we talked about uh, hungry for greatness. How we prepare to experience what God wants us to do at the next level. And what it includes is a discipline that often gets forgotten, unpracticed, and it's called fasting. And so we talked about fasting, and I hope that you are in uh, the process of, of, of practicing this discipline. Because it unlocks the door for God to speak to you. All it, fasting is is your separation or de denial of something physical so you can experience something spiritual. Secondly, we talked about serving for greatness. Last week, we talked about Christianity really comes alive when we serve. And if we don't serve, we don't truly experience Christianity because we're not utilizing and deploying the gifts that God gave us when he sealed us as his child. And, and meanwhile, the whole church misses you as part of the body, and it doesn't function as efficiently and effectively as it should. And so today we're going to talk about being dedicated to greatness. Dedicated to greatness. Now, sometimes it's not just you personally dedicating to your personal greatness. It's being dedicated to the greatness of one greater than you, who is God. And in being dedicated to greatness as parents and grandparents, it becomes greater because our focus is right and it's not on ourselves. Parenting is not easy. It's just not. And if somebody tells you parenting is easy, there's a word for that. It's called lying. Okay? It's not. Now, it has seasons and moments when it's like, hey, I think we get this. I think we got this going on. You know, sometimes parents will look and say, man, it's going good right now. You know, famous last words. Okay? Train wreck right around the corner just waiting on you. Okay? Trust me. So there was a young preacher, and he wrote this amazing message, and it was called The Ten Commandments of Raising Perfect Kids. And then he had one, a kid. And he changed the title to 10 Hints for Parents. And then he had child number two. He changed it to Tentative Ideas for Struggling Parents. And then both of them became, got in middle school, and he wrote a, changed the title again, and he said uh, the title of the message was 10 Easy Steps to Put Your Children Up for Adoption. <laughs> now, that sounds harsh, but it's real. I tell young families. Dustin, I told, I told them, I said, listen, you're going to love that baby more and more every day. And when you first have a baby, you're like, there ain't no way. I mean, I would lay myself down for them right now. And you just love grows. And you know it's true. And then they get in middle school, it kind of flattens out a little bit, to be real. And maybe on the decline, okay. But then one day they get married and bring grandkids home, rock star again. And so it's beautiful how God has designed this thing called the family. So for it to work well, we have to be dedicated to greatness. Tell your neighbor, you need to get dedicated to greatness. Now, why is it so important? You may not be convinced that your personal dedication to greatness is significant. Why is it significant? You, you may have seen just a couple weeks ago uh, when, when uh, our 
Bible release time was under fire from the enemy. You know, they're going to, the satanic children's ministry, whatever, was going to start something. You may have seen that. Okay? When, when God begins to do something, the enemy pushes back. Monday night, we went down to feed the homeless 11B ministry. We always typically feed about 200 people, and, and we do it every week. We've done it since August of 2018, fed over 12,000 meals. But on this particular night, there's a new sheriff in town, okay? New police officer shows up, kicked, kicked us out, sent us home. Hungry people standing in the street, we went home, okay? Why? Was, is he the devil? No, he just played the part of the devil, the, the enemy is always pushing back. And so you got, I, I want you to know what I said earlier is true. The devil hates you, all right? And he hates everything God loves. And he will not leave your family alone. And so you need to get close to God and close to others around, have others around you who love God and know him, and, and let God protect your family because it's your job. He didn't, he didn't just put you here to suck up space and suck up air. He put you here with a purpose. And if you are a daddy, if you are a mommy, if you are a papa, if you are a mimi, if you are a close family friend, your purpose, part of your purpose is to encourage those behind you, to live a life as an example, a role model, to help them, to encourage them to know that there's a God out there that's bigger than they can possibly even imagine, beyond description, beyond definition, immeasurable, before and after eternity eternal past, eternal future, and he's out there, and he loves us, and so it's our job to champion that reality and that truth, and so uh, it's your job, and number two, as a church, it's our job. One of our jobs is to train up and help families to come alongside and help them in this journey, pointing their children to Jesus, and so it's a big task, and God has given it to us. Now, how do I know we always don't do well at that? I'm going I'm to show you some grace. If you've got children who are over 18 years old, raise your hand. Okay, see, several. You put your hand down. If along the way, as a parent, you choked, you just messed it up a few times, raise your hand. And most of their children live to tell about it. Okay? It's real. We mess it up too. And, and young parents, you're going to mess it up too. And, and it's okay. Don't make that your goal. But learn from your mistakes. But God and the church will help you in those times when it seems like I just simply don't know what to do. How do I know we don't always intentionally do our best at parenting? How do I know that sometimes we prayerlessly, mindlessly maneuver through this life as parents and grandparents and we're doing things that are just silly, just messed up? How do I know? It begins very early. When we have little baby Junior in our arm and we begin to sing to him or her. What, what's one of the songs we sing? Rock-a-bye baby, right? And what's the words? It's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. Lullaby. Rock-a-bye baby in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. And when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come baby, cradle and all. And then you wonder why Junior ain't going to sleep. You just told him, when the eyes go down, you're falling out of a tree. Now, what's up with that? Who, who wrote that? They need to punch him in the throat. That's a terrible song to get your baby. It doesn't stop there. It goes on. Uh, what about these beautiful little bedtime stories? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. 
all the king's horses and all the king's men. They couldn't put Humpty together again. Why don't you just go ahead and quote Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. Let's just go ahead. If we're going to be fatalistic, let's tell them the whole story. What about this one? To encourage our little boys and girls to, to be good friends, true friends, looking out for each other, helping each other. Jack and Jill went up the hill, fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown, and Jill, she came tumbling after. Up got Jack. Listen to the second verse. Up got Jack, and home did trot as fast as he could caper. He went to bed, bound his head with vinegar and brown paper. Where's Jill? Where's chivalry in that story? Okay. She's still at the foot of the hill, nursing her wounds. Way to go, Jack. There's you. And then you wonder why your daughters want to stay home till they're 35. That's what she's expecting. And then you got this one. So you want to help your children know what marriage is supposed to be according to Scripture. It's found in this one. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. He had a wife and he couldn't keep her. So he put her in a pumpkin shell and there he kept her very well. That sounds like something from Criminal Minds. What are we doing? And we, we're, we're, we're teaching this to our children. We're loving on them in Jesus' name with this beautiful stuff. And the worst one of all, rub-a-dub-dub, three men in a tub. I don't even want to know why three men are rubbing and dubbing. That's a whole different sermon series. That is what we do. And that is what we do as parents. And so I'm telling you, we've got to push through that. We've got to learn that we need to be intentionally dedicated to greatness, not dedicated to marginalness, not dedicated to mediocrity, dedicated to a higher standard, dedicated to something greater, dedicated to God who is a good and great God. And when we dedicate to Him, all of a sudden these, these things that we just, just stumble into, begin the light begins to shine and we're like, uh, what are we uh, doing here what are we doing here so why is this church church if you're a part of it why are you to be so committed to children why is your pastor so committed to babies and children and I say it I say it regularly if you can find a pastor who loves children and babies more than this pastor bring them on I, I it cannot happen you may find one who loves children as much as this pastor, but you can't. God just swole that up in me, when I'm, if that's a word, when, when we had our first children, and it never stopped. I love my children. I love your children. I love the children God sends to us because they are a gift from God. Why should we love them? Because God loves them. Because Jesus loves them. Listen to what Jesus said about children in Mark 9, 42. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Jesus is pretty serious about it. What else does it say in Mark chapter 10? And they brought young children to Jesus that he could touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and he said to the disciples, Permit these little children to come to me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whoever shall not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Jesus loves the little children. This I know. All right? And if Jesus loves the little children, and he's our model, he's our template, he is our savior and king and master, the one we follow, we love children too. 
So let me just be real candid. If you don't love babies and you don't love children, there's a lot of churches out there. Find one. Now, that's hard. I didn't get an amen in there. Crickets. I guess I'll start a new church next week. Nobody agreed. Okay? We are to love the least of these, and babies are included. So how do we train ourselves? How do we learn how to be the best parents and grandparents that we can possibly be moving forward? How do we do that? We can look into Scripture. He tells us everything we need to know. We can look at an amazing, we can look at amazing biblical examples. One of them is found in Exodus chapter 2, and that's where we're going to be today. So if you've got a Bible or a device, Exodus chapter 2. And here's what we're going to learn about. We're going to learn about two people that are not spoken of very often. Two people that are kind of unknown in history, but they are significant biblical characters who careered it as parents. Absolutely knocked it out of the park. Their names... Amram Jacobed. Not only are they cool characters, they got some killer names. If you're getting ready to have a baby, name that boy Amram. That's cool. You got a daughter, Jacobed. Now that's cool. All right? And you're naming them after an amazing character. And listen, Amram shows up 11 times in the Bible. Jacobed shows up two times in the Bible. And what their story is, in the middle of a hopeless, helpless Hebrew scenario... These two people have children, and they dedicate themselves and those children to God and allow God to do the magnificent, and that's what God does. And listen, God is no respecter of persons. That's what Scripture says. He will do it for you. He will use you to help your child and your grandchild develop and find the purpose that God has placed in their life so that they will fulfill everything, not that you want, not everything they want, not everything their friends want, but everything God wants in their life. And when he does that, it's bigger than anything you can imagine. Honestly, you don't want your child to be anything in this life but what God desires and has gifted and purposed them to be. So, dedicated to greatness. Point number one on the back of your worship guide, guide is this. Be committed to greatness. Be committed to greatness. It, this, this narrative starts with verse 1, and, and it seems on the surface there's not much there. But there is. It says in verse 1, A man from the household of Levi married a woman who was a descendant of Levi. The first thing you see is that they are doing it God's way. They're married. They get married just like God's plan instructs, and then they begin their family. Number two, you notice a significant uh, characteristic of both of them. They are of the tribe, the family, the lineage of Levi. And Levi would be the priestly nation. Levi would be the ones who focused most on God's word, understanding it, implementing it, helping others come along to learn what it meant. And it says that they were both of the tribe of Levi. These two people would have been Jewish, meaning they would be committed to the, to the greatness of God and his word. Now keep in mind, they didn't yet have the Bible. It wasn't written yet. Their son would be the one that would author the first five books of the Bible. They may have had Job because it was an early, early written book. They may have other books, but they did not have the books of the law. They did not have the first five books. So being committed to greatness simply means being committed to the greatness of the challenge of parenting and also to the greatness of a good, good God. And that's what these two people did. Now, in the story, as we'll see as it unfolds, they didn't just have one child, they had three. They, they did 
they did they did good with three kids now i'm a my family has four boys i'm that second child that the preacher you know was ready to put his kids up for adoption about okay i'm that guy okay and 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 maybe you're the second child maybe you're this maybe you're the first child well bless your heart ain't you special okay maybe you're the baby the last one the ruined one (laughs) go crickets again okay the special one you know that didn't have to do like the rest of them they got favored treatment listen Wherever you fall in that spectrum, there's a God who created you with a purpose and a plan. And he wants to use you in a mighty way. And parents, no matter when you look at your children, I remember when Caitlin and Kelsey were growing up, they'd, get a little, they'd have a little pity party. And I remember that, Daddy, I think you love her more than you love me. And, and I, I would say the same thing. I'd say, of course I do. Look at her. She's, look, she's beautiful. She's brilliant. She's obedient. How can I not love her more? You know, and I'd say, seriously? And same thing, and then the other sister would come home. Daddy, I think you love her more. Of course I do. Look at her. You know, go through the same thing. All right, now let me tell you something. Sometimes we look at our children and we categorize them. Well, this one's better at this. This one's better at that. This one's good at this. Listen, just look at them like they're, they're all beautiful, and they're all perfect because they're gifts of God. And we just got to work with them just like they are because God wired them like they are because he wired us like we are. And the, way they, the reason they are like they are is because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and they came from us. So next time we look at our child, man, we're just really frustrated. Before we really get too frustrated, walk around the corner and look in the mirror. And you'll see what it is that you're frustrated with. All right, now, here's the story. The, the narrative is this. It's not a good time to be raising boys and girls that are Jewish. Because they've been in captivity for over 400 years to Pharaoh of Egypt. You see, Joseph was cast into slavery, landed in Egypt, because God had a plan to rescue the Hebrews through Joseph. And so Joseph rose to fame, had a great working relationship with Pharaoh. Ultimately, all of Israel came to avoid the famine and came into Egypt. And because Joseph had done so good, God protected them. 400 years now has gone by. Joseph is dead and gone. Pharaoh doesn't know Joseph doesn't appreciate what he did and so he looks up and now all of a sudden the nation of Israel under in slavery is now growing as large or larger than Egypt is so Pharaoh begins to think you know what they're going to keep having baby boys and one day their baby boys are going to be strong soldiers and they could defeat us I'm not gonna let that happen so he started murdering all the baby boys it was infanticide much like we have today through the abortion clinics just murder all the babies. I'm um, excuse me, murder all the baby boys so they won't rise up and fight against us. It's not a good time to be having a family. And yet they pressed on and they gave birth to these three children in a terribly hard time. Why? How? Because they saw the power of Pharaoh, but they placed their faith in a God whose power is much greater than Pharaoh's. And I want, you, I want to remind you, some of those times, man, when you kind of hit a wall as a parent, a grandparent, as a friend, and you don't know what to do, listen, don't you get afraid of what you see. You put your faith in what he says, and everything will be okay. So that's the world they live in. So let's talk about faith for just a second, so you'll understand what it means to have faith in God. Faith is it's an acronym, often it's said this way, forsaking all, I trust him. It means no matter what comes into your arena, no matter what comes slamming against your life, and it feels like it's insurmountable, 
Faith, forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. Now, where can you get this faith? How do you develop this faith? You develop, develop it when you realize that every moment you tell yourself, you grab onto the reality that God is never not on his throne. God is never not on his throne. He's always on his throne. It's when we get a mindset that says God is large and in charge and I am small and on call. Okay, that helps us understand the bigness of him, the smallness of us. So where do we get? How do we develop it? Nurture faith in our life. We need to get in the word of God. He has given us his word, his infallible, inerrant, eternal word to help us know who we are, who he is and how that comes together. And great things happen. But often we don't get in the word. Is it really that important? Well, in Romans 10, 17, it sounds like it is. It says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what the word of God the word of God develops and plants seeds that will begin to germinate faith in your life where else we have the son of God Hebrews 11 1 it says excuse me Hebrews 12 2 fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith it means no matter what happens we just turn and say, where's Jesus? Where's he at? Where's that Jesus? I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. You are authoring my faith. You will finish my faith. And as long as I'm looking at you, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in order that you can do what you want to do. Hebrews 11.1, 1, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing something is so even when it doesn't look like it's so simply because his word said it was so. That's what faith is. And so we have to develop that uh, all the time. Now, How can you know if you're living in faith? How can you know if you're a person of true faith? Are you afraid? Do you fear things? If you live a life in fear, then you're not living in a life of faith. Faith and fear will not travel on parallel tracks. They're, they're traveling on in opposite directions. And so if you live your life with anxiety and fear, it's because you've allowed fear to move in and it rooted out faith. It, it's when you worry about everything and you want to control everything. And you want to have the answers for everything. And you want to fix everything. And, and you just you worry about stuff all the time. That's fear. When you say, this is what it looks like, I'm going to do my part, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, God is large and in charge. I'm small and on call. And I'm going to, I'm going to process my life, live my life in faith. Okay? Now, now, parents, it's really important that you get this on the journey. Because your life's going to be a whole lot better. Because when Junior bumps his head... And you worried about it, you can trust God. Let me tell you what it looks like in my life. Uh, I have uh, my, my old grandson on the day he was released from the hospital. Okay, About 10 o'clock that night, my daughter calls. Daddy. I said, yeah, baby. Something's wrong. What's wrong? Judson. He's like um, unresponsive. I said, yeah. Yeah, you can't get him to wake up. You pick his arm up. He just falls down, pick his leg up. Just falls down. Can't get him to respond. Should I go to the emergency room at Children's? Well, what am I going to say? That's, I'm, I'm rocking. I said, listen, if you want to take him to Children's, we'll meet you down there. Okay, I'm taking him. Okay, we go down there. Ken and I go down there. We sit in the, in the, in the lobby. Sure enough, unresponsive. 
unresponsive. Hey, Judson, nothing. Goes back, full evaluation. Doctor comes out. He says, I think I know what the problem is. Caitlin, what? He's really tired. <laughs> he really, he's really tired. He was, he was just born, you know, a couple days ago, and it's a pretty tough process. And, and when they get really tired, they go really asleep. And so he'll probably wake up tomorrow. And we're like, seriously, I'm down here at 3 o'clock in the morning for a sleepy baby? Now, that could have been a response. Thank you, Jesus. All right? Nothing wrong. All right? So, so it's, it's easy as parents, man. We get, we get, it hurts when our child's hurting, right? You know it does. You would rather hurt than see a child hurt. I mean, it burdens you. But listen, that's when you say, faith, forsaking all that I see, I'm going to trust in what he says. Number two, you've got to be certain of greatness. You've got to have confidence in the greatness. One, in God, but two, in the greatness of this little baby that God gave you. This little boy, this little girl. Man, you just look at them through eyes of greatness. Here's what happens in verse 2a. Very simple. When she saw that he was a healthy child. That's what it says in, in NET translation. If you have King James, it says a goodly child. If you have the message, it's something special of a child. NIV, a fine child. In the Christian Standard Bible, a beautiful child. You know what she said? When she saw this little baby, Moses, she said, man, he's fine. He's special. He's goodly. This is a gift from God. And that's how you should look at your children all the time. Now, let me tell you what that looks like. I love this. I love going to the hospital and seeing parents with their baby and because, man, their world's rocked. When you have a baby, man, your world has rocked. Okay, it's shifted. The planets have aligned. Boom, it's focused on this very moment. And sometimes I go down there, and the little baby had a hard life, man. I mean, think about that. You're breathing fluid. Now you're breathing air. And the, the process to get from point A to point B, pretty tough. Okay? So you get down there, and little Junior's there, and looks like he's been in a fight with a cat. You know, got some scratches here. One eye swole up, got a knot on his head, and the parents look at him, he's perfect. And the pastor's there, he goes, yeah, he is, okay? Okay, I'm just telling you, I get to see them all, try to see them all early. I wouldn't talk about yours, yours is perfect. He, I ain't kidding. You know why? Caesarean baby, okay? They don't have to go through the cat fight, Okay? Saw him last night, he's still beautiful, okay? You know he is, yeah, all right? So, so that's what it looks like when they're born. You know it's true. Man, your heart just breaks apart in love, madly in love with this brand new creature that God has given you. But listen, it's supposed to stay that way. You're supposed to continue to love him. Now listen, what's the picture of that? Your father in heaven. On your absolute worst day you know that day I know my day you know your day on that day God loves you no less than he does the day you career it for him because his love is not contingent on you being good his love is contingent on him being great okay and that's how we look at our children we're supposed to look at them like God looks at us so when they're doing bad God gets when we're doing bad God's disappointed with us God disciplines us, but he doesn't love us any less. I told the early service, sometimes we'll go pick up Judson, and, uh, and, and, and I'll walk up to the window, and he's inside the room, door closed, window closed. Hey, that's my papo. Okay? Yes, I am. Okay? And then they give me the report card. Hmm. 
And when he gets all smiley faces, I'm still proud to be his pompo. And when they hand me that sheet, it's got a couple of frownies on there. Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm no less proud. I love him just as much on his bad days as I do his good days. Why? Because I love him regardless. And that's how we're supposed to be when we are certain of greatness. Listen, listen what happens in the life of Moses. What does he look like? When, when you move forward and look back, what do you find out that God thinks about Moses? Acts 7 verse 20. It was at this time that Moses was born. And he was lovely in the sight of God. That little goodly baby that Jochebed saw, God saw him too. And God saw him with no less love. Matthew chapter 19, what does God think about your baby? Matthew 19 says, let the little children come to me and do not try to stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now let me explain something. When I say we're supposed to be certain of greatness, I'm going to tell you a failure that many parents uh, fall into. And that is when we begin to cast a future on our children. Oh, my child, man. You know, everybody's the child's smartest kid in, in the class, you know. The other kids just don't get him just yet. But he's, she's the smartest one. He's the smartest one. And we, oh, I think he's going to be this. Oh, I think he's going to be a doctor. I think he's going to be a lawyer. I think he's going to be a teacher. I think he's going to be a contractor. I think he's going to be this, accountant. I think he's going to be an engineer. Oh, yeah. You don't want to tell your children what they're supposed to be. You want to tell your children they need to be what God wants them to be. Because that's where it gets good. In fact, if we concerned ourselves a little bit more about our children's eternal destination and less about their temporary occupation, all of our families would be better and our children would amount to more in the end. Amen? Amen, Brother Joel. So I'll throw that in. Now, let's keep moving. So sometimes it's easy to be proud of our children and our grandchildren, sometimes a little, it's, you got to stretch. A few years ago, I was, I was over in West Knoxville. I saw these bumper stickers all on the same day. It was like God sending me a message. First bumper sticker I saw says, My son is an honor student at CAK. It didn't say it like that. It was just block letters, but I know that's the heart of the driver. My son is an honor student at CAK. Okay. Wasn't long after that, I saw another bumper sticker. It says, My football player beat up your honor student. Now, no doubt that parent just got out of jail, very confused, okay? Okay, didn't hear this message. Yeah, I like this third one. Sometimes you got to stretch. Third bumper sticker I saw says, uh, my son goes to school. That's all I said. You're setting the bar way too low if you're excited because your son is in school, okay? And so, so we need to be certain of greatness, but we need to understand what that looks like. <laughs> Number three, <laughs> my son goes to school. That's ridiculous. And if yours says, my son beat my football player, beat up your son, I'm going to go put spray paint over your bumper. Okay? Number three, be courageous for greatness. It means whatever it takes. All in, parents and grandparents. All in. Aunts and uncles, I'm diving in. Whatever it takes, I will not accept failure. Listen at verses 10 through about 9, part of 10. It says, it says in 2B, so she hid him for three months. Jochebed knew that Pharaoh and his, uh, and his men wanted to kill this baby. So she hid him for three months. Have you ever tried to, to hide a baby? If they don't hear him or see him, they'll smell him. Okay? You can, three months hiding a baby. That's a big deal. Okay? And she did it. And they were trying to kill him. Why, why was she all in and protecting this baby? Simply because she loved that baby and she was courageous for greatness. 
Then it goes on and says, verse 3, it says, But when she was no longer able to hide him, she took a papyrus basket for him and sealed it with bitumen and pitch. So she built this little ark, took like a bread basket, and she lined it with waterproofing. And, and, and it says now, And she put the child in it and set him among the reeds along the edge of the Nile River. Do you understand this, ste this step of faith? She put her baby in a river where crocodiles swim. Now that's a step of faith. That's something different. I'm putting my baby in the river where crocodiles swim to protect him. That's what faith living looks like. It goes on and it says this. So his sister, verse 4, stationed herself now at a distance to find out what would happen to him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself by the Nile when her attendants were walking alongside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and she sent one of her attendants and took it and opened it and saw the child, a boy, crying. And she felt compassion for him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Watch this, verse 7. So then his sister, Miriam, said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get a nursing woman for you from the Hebrews so she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter looked at her and said, Yeah, do that. So the young girl went and got the child's mother. <laughs> Jochebed put him in, a, in the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter pulled her out. Jochebed's daughter took him back to Jochebed so she could feed her baby and keep her baby. It gets better than that. And it says, Pharaoh's daughter said to take this child and nurse him for me. I'm going to pay you. Now she's getting paid to be a mama. Man, it, the God works stuff out good when you let him, all right? And then it goes on, it says, it says, and when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. It, commentaries are all over the map about how long she had her baby. Many believe that she kept him for 10 or 12 years before she had to turn him over into the custody of Pharaoh's daughter. And all the while, it was for one purpose, because Moses would be the deliverer. I mean, it's a beautiful story, and it's a beautiful picture of what parenting uh, for greatness is all about. Uh, now, number four, be confident in greatness. You can be confident in greatness. When she, when, verse 10, when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. There's moments raising kids that's a little scary. I mean, it's, it, you don't have the answers. One of these would be if you've raised a little boy and the time comes when you take him to the ungodly people and say, here, imagine that one for a second. It's, it's not always easy. But in God's plan, it's always good. And, the, and I was thinking about this for parents. What we need to learn to do as parents is what Jacobed did in this moment. Give them to God. When we release them to God, it doesn't mean we stop being who we are, doing what we're supposed to do. But we say, God, you gave that little boy, that little girl to me. I don't know why they, I thought they were mine. You've just given me custody of them and given me responsibility to care for them. But I turn them back to you they're yours that's hard that's really difficult but when we do that we will see and experience faith and trust like your child already sees it just this week one of our babies that was dedicated I'm gonna leave her name out because I didn't ask permission one of her little girls she told her Mimi she said Mimi I want uh, I want you to take me back to Disney World 
And her Mimi told her, said, well, I will, but we're going to have to wait for your brother to have a birthday so he can get taller. That way he can ride the rides. She said, okay. Well, later that day, this little girl was praying. She said, God, will you give my brother another birthday and grow him because I want to go to Disney World. You know what that is? That's, a, that's, a, that's childlike faith that gets where miracles come from that get where magic happens. It's not at the magic kingdom. It's before the throne of God, and a child gets that. They pray with faith, believing that this big old God just loves them and listens to them and responds to them. And so sometimes we kind of miss the boat. We do have a responsibility, and it's simply found in one of the most profound Proverbs in the Bible. Proverbs 22.6 is train up a child, in the way he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it now candidly this is not a promise it's a proverb it's wisdom teaching for wisdom living and when you unpack that in the natural in the original language it doesn't mean train them in what you want them to be it doesn't mean take them to church every Sunday and when they're old they're Christians and they're gonna go to heaven it means you instruct them toward the purpose and the bent and and the, the nature that God has placed in them you, 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 you instruct them in that. You desire for them to be everything God wants them to be because it's much greater and much bigger than anything you would ever want them to be. And so when we, when we train them up, God will bless them. Now here's what that looks like. You train them, God will bless them. You train them, God will bless them. What we do sometimes, we want to train them and then we want to drift over here and kind of play God a little bit too, okay? You're not God. We're not God. God's God, one of a kind. And he's really good at being God. And all he asks us to do is be really good at being mommy, daddy, papa, mimi, grandparents, aunts, and uncles. We do our part, turn them over, and let God be good in them. So at the end of the day, at the end of the story, what does it look like? For the children of these two Hebrew people. Deuteronomy 34.10 refers to Moses. It says, no prophet ever again arose in Israel like Moses. He knew the Lord face to face. What about the other two? <clears throat> what about the other two? Miriam is referred to in Exodus 15 as a prophetess. What about Aaron, the other one? Aaron would become the spokesman, ultimately the high priest all three other kids, rock stars in God's kingdom because these two typically unknown individuals cared enough to parent God's way and to trust God with the most valuable possession they had, which is their children. That's not bad. So in a nutshell, dedicate yourselves to greatness as parents. Dedicate yourself to greatness for your children. Dedicate yourselves to God who honors our dedication to them and to him. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. <clears throat> I was thinking about personally what life should look like in a nutshell in daily living. Parents and grandparents, I want to encourage you to simply be faithful to God and his church. I want you to always be focused at some level on looking for teachable moments to help your children 
know who God is. Thirdly, I want you to always be firm with your children. Explain the rules and live by them. But be fair because you were a child once. And lastly, and I think it's equally as important and valuable as the rest, have fun with your children. Because life should be fun. Because God is a fun God. And if you don't get that yet, you need to move forward in your journey and let Him reveal all that He's about. Father, we give you this time. We thank you and we celebrate what it means to be parents and grandparents to look around and see your handiwork with all these boys and girls and babies and we give you the praise and the glory for it as we leave help us all be mindful of how it is you want us to be who it is you want us to be and what your goal is for us we pray it in jesus name amen